You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little Zen along the way. All right, I promised last episode or on Twitter or something that I was going to talk about the iPhone 10. The iPhone X is what I like to call it. I managed to get my hands on one. I'm going to tell you a little bit of how I got my hands on one so early and uh, why I got one and but most importantly, what's it like using one, the uh, ins and outs of using one for especially running and if, uh, well, just as a triathlete and would you uh, maybe want to consider getting one for yourself, uh, you can decide after you hear all the, uh, the little inf- info bits I've got on uh, what it's like. Uh, I'm talking about like detailed stuff, very detailed on the ups and downs of what works and what doesn't. And I came from a uh, iPhone 5 SE, so it is a big jump, and we're going to talk about that. All right, we also have how to train faster on uh, how to train faster, how to race faster for a half Ironman. I got an email asking about that, and I'm going to cover swim, bike, run, overall things to do to make sure that you get the most out of yourself in training and in the race. And I think we'll talk a little bit about Kaizen and then just some random stuff mixed in. Had a little uh, question about uh, mental toughness and how to build that up. So we'll do that and a whole bunch more here on this episode. But let's go ahead and get started with the hot topic that everybody wants to talk about is the iPhone X, the iPhone 10, whatever you want to call it. I call it the iPhone X because X sounds cooler. Uh, Let's see. Why did I get one? The uh, old iPhone I had was uh, getting glitchy, slow, uh, battery was running out. Um, As they started upgrading the operating system, more and more things uh, were options, improvements, but only on the newer phones, and mine was starting to um, not qualify for some of the improvements. Like There was one where you could uh, draw on the Notepad app, uh, but... On the older iPhone, it had to be like totally separate or something like that. And on this new one, it does it uh, in line with everything else. Uh, there was things I was pissed off about that I was not looking forward to on the 7 and 8. Or the 6. I don't know. Whichever one dropped the headphone jack. I was like, oh no. Come on, people. Because I still believe to this to this day that that is unnecessary. There are waterproof phones that have a regular headphone jack. So this whole thing where we got to get rid of it. I don't believe that. But that's what uh, that's what they did. I think Apple has a um, a strategy where they make their phones um, slightly difficult to to use, or they make their phones a little bit weird. And then what that does is it creates a cult of personality. Is you have to buy in, and that's a very Zen thing too. Uh, you have to buy in to be part of the group, and then once you're in, when you realize that it's stupid, <laughs> you're already in. The group 
And so then you have to admit you're wrong to get out and people don't want to admit that they're wrong to get out. So every, every good club is like that. They have some sort of tragic fault and you don't want to admit it. Uh, so that makes the club band together tighter. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a known uh, psychological uh, trick. And I think the, uh, the movement of the, the removal of the headphone jack kind of falls into that camp. There's a lot of stuff that Apple does like that. And it works. And let's see, the lack of a home button on the iPhone X, iPhone X is um, a thing we'll talk about. Uh, you know, I just didn't know uh, what that was going to be like. But I, uh, I decided to uh, go ahead and do it because, again, my phone was getting really old. And I was holding out uh, a version and, and two, the 6 and the 7, to see if um, they were going to make a smaller one. Because these newer phones, the 6 and 7, were huge. And, they, and I don't want a huge one because I want to run with it and bike with it. And the 5, uh, you know, is reasonably small. So I kept waiting to see if they'd make one that was smaller, that was waterproof, because now they're starting to be waterproof, and uh, that was uh, going to keep the headphone jack. Well, the 8 came out, and that's no. And then the 10 came out when they announced that, and it's as big as the smaller of the 8, but the entire thing is a screen, as we all know. And I was like, well, okay, the usability, that's a, that's a sweet form factor. And I was sitting next to a friend at a table the other day, and he had a 7 or an 8 or something like that. And uh, we put them side by side, and, and he had the plus, right? So he had a bigger one. And my screen was almost as big as his, but my phone, you know, the outline of my phone uh, was much smaller. And we were, we were like, wow, that is pretty cool. Uh, so I was uh, going, okay, you know, I got, and it's waterproof and I've been wanting to do that for a long time. So I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm in, I'm going to go in on this. And then Emily was pissed. She's like, there's no way you were just laughing at that phone the other day. Cause I had to think about this for a little while, about how expensive it is. And, uh, now you say you're going to get one and we don't have money for that. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I've been holding on to an old phone. I've skipped a generation and, uh, we're going to do no interest. And, um, you know, it's like a month, it's monthly payments and it's no interest. So we won't really notice the payment. And you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, sometimes you gotta spend money to save money. And if it's something that is a contact point, so it's like your bike saddle, it's like the screen on your computer monitor. It's like your keyboard on your computer monitor. It's like your gloves, your running shoes, anything, your handlebars, your pedals, anything that's a contact point with your body. And eyeballs counts too. So your screen resolution uh, is, and screen quality, anything like that is, is you should strongly consider spending more money on because it makes life better and you're more energized and more happy and then you'll have more energy and get more done and then also if it's a thing that's a um an improvement and allows you to get more done uh so like smaller form but bigger screen makes it more portable yet more functional and you're like okay now we're talking about spending money uh yeah it costs more but your life's going to improve a lot so you know it kind of falls into that area 
and and it and it did uh, after getting this phone. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But so I was like, I'm I'm getting it, and it's my life. <laughs> So I'm going to buy this thing and uh, short of uh, you throwing a total conniption fit, I'm getting one and there's not much you can do about it. And then what was crazy was when I learned about the situation of buying one, they said uh, they go on sale in my time zone, Texas, uh, 2 a.m. And what is so cool about having done Ironmans and signing up for races at crazy hours and trying to be first in line um, I feel it's not just Iron Man's. I feel like there's something else I've had, I've had to do that with too. Uh, but where things sell out in moments um, and they go on at some crazy hour. I already have experience with this. And I thought, you know what? Brett's got game in this area and <laughs> other people are going to be uh, struggling a little bit. So I'll have, my, I'll have a leg up and maybe, maybe this will work. And what I read was an article that was published that said um, uh, what there was a trick, how to get your iPhone uh, through this surge of traffic that's going to happen when they try to get it. And they were right. They, it was absolutely nuts. Um, this was the trick. Get uh, the Apple, there's like an Apple Store app, not, not the uh, download applications, you know, where you shop for apps on your phone. You do go there, but then in the app store, you buy this app called the Apple Store. And this is an app that goes on your phone. So you put it on your old phone and it shows you everything that's for sale in the Apple Store. And so I'm talking like computers, you know, and headphones and stuff. So I was like, okay, got that. And then they said, go spec out the phone that you want. And so I picked the black uh, 256 gig and then favorite it done. Okay. And then they said, uh, make sure that your payment is, uh, your, your Apple payments, uh, what you're using for your, your credit card or your, you know, whatever you're using, make sure it works because you're, this is all going to have to work flawlessly when, uh, you try to buy the phone. And so I bought, I forgot what it was. I bought something that was, I bought a gift card and the uh the gift card you know for like 10 bucks or whatever it was and the gift card uh yeah my payment uh, it goes the credit card we have on file for you has expired and da, 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 and it's this old address all oh, this crap and i was like oh my gosh so to uh get it to work i had to update all my stuff so now all my stuff's updated i've got the phone saved in favorites and then what they said is what i did next at <laughs> at, let's see, it was 2 a.m. So I set an alarm at 1.45. I got up and made a cup of coffee, maybe. I don't know if I did or not. I didn't want to stay up too much. I, I did something. And then I sat down, opened up my phone, and I opened up my laptop as a backup, just in case, and opened up the app and uh, found my favorited items. And, oh, no, you couldn't. The app was down, right? It goes, you can't get into the store. You can't get into the store right now. So as I was sipping a drink, here, I'll simulate. As I was sipping a drink, I just, uh, ref I was, I was like, I don't know if refreshing the app's going to work. So I just kept closing the app, you know, force closing the app and reopen it, force closing and reopen it. Um, 
for you know a couple minutes and then as the clock rolled over to midnight california time 2 2 a.m my time all of a sudden the app changed from app store closed to hi there how you doing like that and i was like oh so excited <laughs> and i'm not that excited about the phone it's just the excitement of because technology's tech and you know i've been around long enough this stuff this phone will seem so dopey and old in five years you know like ridiculously dopey and old so i'm not really excited about the tech the tech keeps advancing that's you know whatever but i'm just excited about um you know having something kind of new and and edgy and uh, whatever it is it doesn't really matter and uh and then trying you know the nervousness of actually can you get it so that was the feeling of that it was really exciting and uh my favorites was is a little button i press my favorites button it goes boom hey here's your favorite thing here's a here's a phone do you like this phone and then you i hit uh the grocery sack button i think it was and that puts it in your shopping bag which you couldn't do until right now and I put it in my shopping bag and then i and then it uh then you go to your shopping bag and then you go check it goes check out and i go yep and i checked out and then it goes um you're gonna pay with apple pay and I said, yep and boom that worked and then it goes uh all right you got your phone thanks we're sending you an email done like <laughs> so by being uh up on the news and up on the tech and um following instructions which is unusual for an adult male uh i said i managed to get my hands on the phone i managed to purchase it in about four minutes and then i stayed up a little while like half an hour uh reading forums and stuff about and then other people's experiences started to show up saying damn it <laughs> i didn't get it i went to the apple store and then i started specking out my phone and then it said it was sold out dang it and i was laughing to myself going, oh man i uh i got it i got it i got it that's so cool but then i still didn't believe that i had it until um because it said you could go check up on your order and it said estimated delivery date friday uh, was it november 3rd or november 4th let's say november 4th was a friday it says it will be there friday november 4th and this is like a monday right and and then you're like well where is it it's like i don't know so all the way up until like either wednesday night or thursday morning it's like i don't know where it is and i'm like they lied the phone is missing I mean, it's not made yet. It's not ready to be sent. It's not going to show up. And then I believe it was early Thursday morning. It goes, hey, your phone has been boxed up in and it has left the building. Elvis has left the building in, um, I forgot the town in China and is on its way. And then I followed it over the next day and a half and it showed up. It went to Alaska from China and then I think to Missouri, St. Louis maybe um or ohio i can't really remember one of those two and then to dallas and then to brian brian college station where i live and then was out on a ups truck and then i uh, was delivered to my house uh friday afternoon and then i had it now the other thing i did i was just shocked how fast it left one place and got all the way around the world then the other thing i did was um 
after I was pretty sure that the phone was coming to like, say, uh, Sunday or so, maybe Monday, uh, I ordered a case and a screen cover. So when I opened up my phone, it was naked to the world um, for about two seconds. <laughs> it came out of the box and went right into the case. Uh, if if uh, I've learned over the years, if you're going to get a case, get a TPU, get a smooth or crystal, whatever they call it, smooth finish, not matte finish, but smooth finish TPU case. That's thermoplastic urethane, TPU. It is the material that is most uh, break resistant in a phone. It's, it's the thinnest material that's also the most absorbent. So if you drop it, uh, your phone is very likely to be okay. And the thing is, is it's not bulky at all. And it's the same material that's in Adidas shoes, the Adidas Boost material that is like amazing that everybody's been freaking about, freaking out about for years. It's the same material, it's super cool. So, uh, and then I bought one of the, I bought a screen cover where it's like a kit of three in case I messed it up. So I managed to get the old, you know, the one that it comes with the packaging screen cover off and the new one on all in one, one minute or so. <laughs> and my phone is in a case and with the screen cover on so well, uh, my last phone, you know, had like a hair under it that you barely notice and stuff, but, uh, this one it's done. And I just couldn't believe it. I'm, I, uh, somebody, we were all sitting around at breakfast the other day at work. We have breakfast at work sometimes. And somebody made a comment about the iPhone X and said something. You know, and I go, oh, I got one. And they go, what? You got one? And I said, yeah, it's right here. And I pulled it out. And they're like, holy crap. And so we were passing it all around. Um, so the... It is fun, you know, having something before everybody else. Um, but then you've got to not show it off. Other people have to find out about it or else you're annoying. Somebody else asks first and uh, talks about it and you go, oh, I got one. Then they, they um, and then it's cool, right? If you just go walking around going, I've got one, then it's like, I've got one and you don't. And then you're an annoying person. Let's see. Let's talk about the things that were supposed to be terrible and annoying and what they turned out like in reality. Uh, let's start with the lack of a home button. That's a big one. Um, nope, don't notice it. It's not even a thing. That's, and I know that's crazy. And all these years of Zen practice allowed me to have a beginner's mind and not judge um, it ahead of time. And I just said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get it. And then, uh, before I go around saying, man, I wish I had all these other things and this is going to suck. I said, well, we'll see if it sucks or not. And it doesn't, it, and it's been a joy, uh, learning, uh, to use it. And then I noticed because Zen also teaches us to pay attention. I, I noticed in about uh, an hour. Used, totally used to it. Didn't even, I, I now don't even think of it anymore. I'd have to think to use the home button. Doesn't bother me whatsoever. And you just swipe up from the bottom of the screen. And also, let's talk about the uh, notch at the top. There's this little, what do you think it is? Maybe uh, half a centimeter uh, depth, um, kind of like a mini bar that sticks down from the top what's crazy is uh, one I don't notice it anymore whatsoever and 
I figured out something. It doesn't bother you if something is a little bit in the way, if that something has a function. Let's say a little bar stuck down has an obvious function, okay? That's visual. Let's say that bar stuck down and it was needed, I don't know, to um, make the screen work or something like that, right? Well, then you'd be mad because it's just like, you're like, oh, this is in the way. Couldn't they put it somewhere else, right? But that's not the case. The notch sticks down and it's obvious immediately that it's needed for the cam- the front facing camera and there's a, there's a little bit of a, there's a little speaker in it for your ear, right? And then the, um, the, the uh, oh, face ID where this thing can open by looking at your face, which was super easy to set up too, by the way, I, uh, faster than doing the fingerprint. And, and especially you've only got one face. <laughs> it does it twice. I don't know why, but instead of doing like your both thumbs, both four fingers, your middle finger, if you're mad at the phone or something like that, uh, it's just your face and you just spin your face around a little bit, boom, done. Then you, it does it again and, and then you're done. And so it's, while the notch does stick out just as this tiniest bit, um, it never gets in the way of anything. You'd have to be watching a really wide video or a video game that takes up the entire screen and then it's kind of off to the side a little bit. Uh, but you, but at the same time, it's so obvious that it needs to be there um, because visually you can see things in it that need to be used and you're like, ah, well, whatever, right? So you can reframe it and qualify it. Oh, that's totally fine. And let's see, the lack of a headphone jack. So I've had the phone a week, week and a half. Has it been a week? It's been a week. And last night was the first time where I was starting to get pissed off because I was looking for um, uh, my wireless. I needed to charge my phone. And I was looking for my wireless headphones so I could keep listening to, oh, I don't know, Joe Rogan or a Triathlon Terran or something like that on YouTube. Um, but I, uh, I couldn't find my headphones, my wireless headphones. And so I was going to have to use wired headphones. Well, if I use wired headphones, they're going to plug into the lightning port and ooh la la, the charge cable needs to plug into the lightning port right? I need to get, there's an adapter and you'd need it so rarely that I would just keep it in my bed stand, uh, where it's, um, two lightning ports in the one or a headphone jack and a light, I don't know, something like that. And then, uh, then I'll be able to, to do this when this pops up again. I need to order one of those. I'm sure it's like 10 bucks. So out of a week, I've had one time where I started to get pissed and then I found my wireless headphones anyway. <laughs> and so I ended up being fine. So it was annoying, almost inconvenience. And I want to say um, one thing was the bigger screen. This was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I'd been using it for like a half a day and was just so impressed uh, when I was surfing web pages and and uh, using apps on the phone about how much, because the screen's so much bigger, how much more I could read and actually use the phone for, for real things instead of having to use, go to a laptop. I like to read articles and stuff like that. And so Kai had a double soccer game day 
on Saturday and I brought my laptop in the car with me. But when we parked the car and started to go sit down to go watch his game, um, you look you look almost like a bad parent when you have a laptop open, you know, while your kid's playing uh, soccer. But what I'm just I'm watching the game. But when there's downtime, you know, uh, they're doing a th- the other teams doing a throw in on the other side of the field that Kai's not even playing on or something like that. Then I'm reading uh, training logs and building coaching plans, right? Or editing a podcast or something like something like that. And um, so I'm still watching Kai's game. I'm just using the downtimes to uh, work. And um, I was like, well, I'm going to leave the laptop in the car. I've been doing this for years. I, I was like, I'm going to leave the laptop in the car and just take my phone with me. And yeah, I wasn't able to edit a podcast, but I was able to coach. I was able to read the Training Peaks app look at graphs, look at what people were doing on the phone. And then uh, when I got tired of doing that and I started reading articles or something, um, it was it was great. So it's more like a tablet in that way because the screen is so, so big for the body of the phone. It was just amazingly um, uh, usable. So there was that. All right, I've got a few more things, but I got to, um, I got to run inside real quick and I'll be right back. Hold on. All right, we are back. We're in my backyard. The fountains to the pool just turned off. (laughs) So it's a little bit less white noise. Um, On occasion, Emily or Kai might come out here in the backyard and say something. But the other thing is Zoe is out here by my feet. She just took a dump and then had the zoomies running around the yard. Uh, My buddy Morgan said it's like their back end is faster than their front end when they run like that. And also we have a squirrel that seems to love running up and down the fence and uh, between us and the uh, house behind us, and which drives our dogs crazy, which uh, she's big into. She's staring at the fence right now. But we need to pick back up on this uh, iPhone review. I've got it right in front of me. The experience is what I want to talk about next, of actually going out and running with it. So I uh, tried to put, it's brand new, you know, and salt is, salt in your sweat is different than fresh water. So when this thing is IP, it's IP67 rated, IPX, whatever it is, 67. And what that means is it's pretty, it's pretty water resistant. IP68 would mean that it's really water resistant. So IP67 means it's pretty good. And with sweat being salty, salt is a conductor of electricity and also corrodes um, and uh, pulls more water in with it, for example. It does all kinds of nasty stuff. Uh, If you have a boat in salt water, that's a totally different care package than uh, taking care of a boat in fresh water, for example. The corrosion is a higher factor. And so I'm like, well, it's a brand new phone. I want to go run with it so i'm gonna see if i can fit it inside the snack size not the sandwich size but the snack size ziploc fits inside that's cool and then run with it in that i'm not a big fan of but then i got used to it right it's the whole zen thing is don't judge too much because you might learn to actually um like it and then it's not that big of a deal anyway so what's the big deal just get used to it and then i'm like this phone's freaking waterproof, man, pretty much. So I took it into the shower and 
uh, I was watching uh, Triathlon Terran while I was in the shower. He was doing something. He's always doing crazy stuff. Uh, oh, this should be my uh, props to Triathlon Terran. Go check out Triathlon Terran's podcast, man. It is so good. I really, really like it. Uh, his videos are great, but his videos are um, short attention span, you know, uh, jump cut, bam, bam, bam. You know, he's trying to get a lot in in a short amount of time. And I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to that. You know, videos can be, oh, my gosh. I was watching a video today about a piece of Ikea furniture that has a problem. And it took him four minutes to get to the point. And the comments were just horrible. Like, your wife should divorce you. <laughs> It was hilarious. You know, oh my God, why are you doing this to us? You know, just because it took four minutes to get to the point. And so that's terrible for video, right? Taking a long time. So that's why you do all the jump cut stuff. Here's this, here's that, here's that, right? But in audio format, oh, the long pauses are so nice, man. And that's what he does. It's so good. So check out the Triathlon Terran podcast. I was been, I've been listening to his reviews of um, Iron Man. He did Iron Man 70.3 Texas. So it was in Austin. It was really, really cool. So check that out. Okay. Anyway, I was um, – I took it in the shower and was watching video. I don't have anything to put it – to hang it off of in the shower. I tried hanging it off of this, like, shaving rack and, it, and then the soap rack, and it fell from about two and a half feet up. And hit the bottom of the shower, which is hard. But I got the case on it, right? And I was like, oh, my God. Thank God. And then, um, yes, I'm recording right now. Am I being shot at? Yep, you're dead. Uh, I'm dead. Great. And then uh, Kai just shot at me with some sort of terrible gun. A Nerf laser gun or something. Anyway... Then, um, but I was like, oh my gosh, dude, I can use my phone in the shower. So I need to get some sort of, um, I don't want to do a suction cup because I'm worried that'll fall off, but I want to do, um, something I can hang, uh, from the top of the shower and then put this in it. And then I can watch, um, I'm trying to think, man, I just love watching YouTube Man, so many cool videos on YouTube, like Ted talks and all this kind of stuff. I can be in the shower and learn something while I'm getting all the grossness off my old body. Anyway, uh, that, let's talk about, well, that was my experience running with it, and I've run with it, uh, I don't know, 30 miles or something like that uh, since I've gotten it, and it's been great. It's been absolutely great. Um, I've been training on the, I've been riding on the trainer with it in my back pocket, and um, I've been imagining as if I was run, riding outside. Uh, one thing that is awesome is the screen brightness so running and uh if you were biking outside oh my god like the difference i was i left the building and walked outside today while i was on the phone i had it open uh i forgot what i was looking at the screen oh my gosh was just out of this world and i mean there was like no difference between inside and outside. The, the screen looks like, and this would be any OLED screen probably on the nicer phones. It just looks like a piece of paper that is that color, you know? <laughs> and, and it doesn't change if you went outside or inside. If it's a bright piece of paper with bright text on it, it looks like that 
just super clear. It looks like shiny plastic, you know? It's out of this world. It's so great. So on the bike, if you're outside and you have trouble seeing your phone because of the brightness and, you know, the sun's so bright, dude, that's all gone, man. This thing, wow, that, that is a game changer as well. It's just so much better. And, okay, so let's talk about Face ID. Um, I set up Face ID. It, like I said, it works fine. And it works about the same. Uh, not any worse. I'm, I can't tell if it's any better. But it works um, at least as well as the thumbprint stuff. And so while the thumbprint stuff, you, you put your thumb on it as you're putting it up to your face. You know, as you're looking at your phone. And then, uh, so that works, um, you know, at, fine. And this is so fast, it reads your face and then opens up. I mean, like the tiniest, tiniest delay sometimes. And then sometimes um, it reads your face before you get it, before, as you're pulling it up and looking at it and before your eyes settle on what you're supposed to look at. So it's a wash. It's, I mean, it's like exactly the same. And I like it. I've, I think like I'm on the trainer. My face is covered in sweat. And that might change the texture of your face a little bit. Or may, that might break the, um, the uh, it's near infrared. And infrared absorbs water, I think, a little bit. And in fact, I know it does. So it may not be reflecting back to your face as well if your face is wet with sweat. But... It only does that sometimes, not like all the time. So it's hard to tell. So the face ID is definitely a thing. I, I see it um, stick on people for a long time. And like they say, there's actually um, your fingerprint is one in 50,000. Your face is one in a million. Unless you've got an identical twin that lives nearby, you know, then you've got a little bit of a problem. And yeah, really, really like that part. Let's see what else do we got. The um, other thing, oh, was the setup. Uh, well, there's a couple other things. Some, some, uh, oh my, oh my gosh. Zoe, the setup uh, was really cool. You point, it says, if you have your old phone nearby and you want to move everything over, I mean, everything then point your new phone at your old phone and your old phone shows this weird graphic and your new phone with its camera reads that graphic and it gets the okay, apparently. And then it transfers over all your settings, including all your old software and everything. Yes, sir. Okay. You got nothing? You just came out here to hang out? Mm -hmm. Can you move that bench back to where it was? She jumped off of it and it rolled over. Um, it brings over all your old um, settings from your other phone, which is, you know, if you get a new phone and then you, uh, your phone, your software has a bunch of settings in it, you know. Um, just think of like your Garmin app, you know. It's got this and that, you know, your height and your weight. I'm just trying to think of and um, just any kind of setting and any kind of software, alarms, you know, what time they go off. I'm trying to think of whatever else it would be. But that doesn't matter. But just imagine a lot of software has a lot of settings in it. And this all carried over. And 
One thing is we've actually forgotten, we've lost our Wi-Fi password. And it carried over the settings for my old phone, um, the, all the Wi-Fi access points and their passwords. So I didn't have to retype in any passwords. And that was huge. I was a super, super duper fan of that. And then that might work on the, the regular iPhone 8 upgrade and all that as well too. But the other thing was um, that I'm really happy about that's not really iPhone 10 related is the, um, the fact that the software, Kai's doing a panorama. Are you doing a 360? You didn't put me in it? I'll do it now. No, I don't want to be in it. Okay, so I thought. Good. You'll make me nervous. I won't be able to talk. So, the, um, when Steve Jobs was in charge of Apple, he was uh, a fascist about fewer options, uh, less, less options are better, fewer options are better. We, um, the user doesn't know what they want. We, we know what they want. And in some cases that was sort of true, but I came from a windows background and used to being able to set all kinds of options on all my stuff all the time. And when I got my first MacBook, when I got my first MacBook, um, I noticed, I thought it was broken because I couldn't maximize a screen. And I went on a forum, and and this is this is like uh, let's say eight years ago. So you know, I went on a screen, on a forum, and I asked, um, "Hey, uh, how do I maximize a screen? I want I'm on this one app application, and I want to make the screen uh, full size." And they said, "Oh, it doesn't do that." And ha ha ha! Welcome to the world of Apple. <laughs> And it was somebody else that was a Windows user, a former Windows user. Welcome to the world of Apple. I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, Apple thinks that you don't really want to do that. You don't really want to um, maximize the window to take up the whole screen. That you're more productive uh, when the screens are to the correct size of the software needs to be, or minimized, you know, one or the other. And then that's it. And that's the size to expand to cover the software buttons and whatever you're doing with that software is the correct size and no bigger. And they think you're more productive that way. And I thought, what a load of crap. <laughs> that I actually am more productive if I block out other stuff. So if I maximize the, the uh, screen of the piece of software I'm working on, it blocks out everything else and I just work on that. That's more productive for me. And I, I ran into, um, and I had to install, like I had to pay for and install a separate piece of software that allowed me to maximize the window. And remember when the iPhone first came out, you couldn't copy paste. They're like, well, you just don't need to do that right now. Our, our phones are so good. You're just not gonna need to do that. And it's like, no, you're wrong. And you assuming that you know how everybody is productive. Everybody's not productive the same way. So how can you tell me that? And okay, I sent Kai inside because I couldn't focus while I'm uh, trying to record with him. Trying to get the dogs to sit and heal. <laughs> like whatever. 
he's just trying to get on the mic, but it's distracting. Okay. The, uh, so basically my point is, is there's all kinds of stuff that Apple would say that you couldn't do. And they, they were taking away options on purpose, you know, like a one button mouse. I mean like, Oh my God, dude, two buttons is obviously better. Why would you have a one button mouse? It's so stupid. So, uh, Steve Jobs passed away and I've noticed over the past few years since he's been gone that features have started to creep in and they're good. Oh my gosh. They're, they're what, they're, they're what the iPhone and the Mac and everything have needed for so long, but people, Apple staff was afraid to put in because they're going to get yelled at. And now they can have, they're starting to have the same amount of features as what's on other operating systems like Android and, and, uh, and Windows um, instead of being trimmed down. Because, man, there's a point where you trim stuff down that it's kind of like children's gear. It's like made by Fisher Price because it's so simple. You know, you're supposed to use it. <laughs> I heard that the other day where they're like, they told somebody you're using it wrong. And it's like, no, I'm using it. I paid for it. I'm using it how it could be used. You've just dumbed it down so that I can't use it the way that um, it could be used. And you could make it do what it's supposed to do. You've decided to not offer that option like on purpose. Uh, to force people to use it a certain way. And that's that's where you're starting to get oppressive. So anyway, what I've noticed is what's nice about the newer operating systems and the iPhones and stuff is that they're starting to have uh, plenty of options and plenty of good stuff, finally. And so I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm really missing out on anything um, getting an iPhone. It used to be, you know, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. Now it's pretty much all there. You got your wireless charging, you got your OLED screen, OLED, OLED screen, and, you know, all this good stuff. Only thing it's missing is iPhone jack, but they're not the only ones that do that even. Okay. I think that is it for the iPhone. Let me look at my notes. Uh, another thing is, um, I noticed, uh, pretty quickly that, um, I needed to use uh, two hands on a on rare occasion to operate the phone faster. That I have to stretch pretty far sometimes to use um, one hand, and I'm like, oh, I gotta use one hand. Well, I'm not doing anything with my other hand at the time, so like, what's the big deal? So it ends up not being a big deal. I could see maybe on the bike, um, it being a big deal, but I mean, how often are you like typing away on your phone on the bike? You know, you might be able to pull it out and glance at it but aside from that you probably don't want to do anything oh now emily's out here with a toilet brush did kai clog the toilet kai clogged the toilet all right well anyway that's it on the iphone let's um let's jump away for a minute and do our bike of the week and we'll be right back with some more goodness how to get fast at a half iron man okay out bang I'm done now. Oh, All right, hold on. Kai came back out and he wants to talk on the show. About so, pools. About what? Pools. About pools? What do you know about pools? They're cool, they're fun, and they're clean. Done. Yeah? Yeah, bet you can't talk better than that. <laughs> Sometimes I can't. That's pretty good. Oh, here comes Zentri Nurse. Is she going to be on the show? Yeah? 
Oh, Kai needs to charge his Sunto. Are you going to take it with you? No? Well, the, the charger's right over there on that baker's rack, me. All right, so what else is new in your world? Nothing. Uh, so he's acting like a freak. Well, it's not new, but... Mm -hmm. Cone is here. He's yeah. my wingman. Yeah, does he sleep in your bedroom every night? Yeah. Yeah. Does he sleep up on the bed? Yeah. Doesn't he get in the way? No. I mean, no. No. But he likes to snuggle too, right? I guess, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's go inside. I think your date for your high school dance or your middle school dance, junior high dance, it's going to show up soon. Uh, Is she on the volleyball team? She was. The volleyball's over. Is it over? Yeah. All right, they're here. Let's go. All right, this is our bike of the week brought to us by Velosurance Bike Insurance. All right, I uh, was thinking, what what bike should we pick this week? Should we pick oh this bike or that bike? There's some fancy bikes. Oh my gosh, there's this one bike that's a collab. I hate using that phrase. Collaboration between uh, Aston Martin. It's totally a handmade bike. It's absolutely beautiful. I'm like, do I, do I pick that bike? And uh, oh, there's a there's a Ventum that's out. That's uh, really expensive and crazy. No, I decided when I saw this article that we got to do this bike. A lady rode all of Ironman Florida on a fat tire bike. A freaking fat tire bike. It looked like a nice one. I forgot the model. That's not what's really important. It's the fact that it's a fat tire bike. Have you ever ridden a fat tire bike? They are actually really cool and a whole lot of fun. The crazy thing is, is they're very un-aerodynamic. And I think she spent just under seven hours on the bike. And her overall time was around 14 hours, I think. So she spent half the time on her bike, but a, uh, a fat tire, the interesting thing about a fat tire, when people try to use them for uh, mountain biking and stuff, is they really don't have, you can get a fat tire with suspension, that's just kind of rare. Uh, but the fat tire, the our fat tires are really bouncy off-road. They bounce you up in the air like a, like a springboard. Um, not rigid, not like an aluminum bike with an aluminum uh, seat tube is supposed to be jarring, like hitting you in the back of that back of your spine with a uh, hammer. They're just bouncy and it gets annoying after a while. And that's uh, that's an interesting thing. you know she could have put um, slick tires on it. The photo that they showed, this is in Triathlete magazine, shows it as a um, semi knobby like it still looks like it has little knobby nubs on the tires uh, there's a guy going by me going the other direction uh, with his old Schwinn very cool uh, I'm in traffic I'm going to campus Texas A&M University campus to be part of a um, GIS day uh, celebration GIS is geographic information systems 
it's uh, mapping stuff like Google Maps. But for you, anyway, or your company or your organization. But anyway, oh, I love walking around campus too. There's just bike racks everywhere with all kinds of cool bikes. The bike rack in front of the main library on campus, the Evans Library, is my favorite bike rack in the whole universe because it's got such a wide variety of different bikes. There's nice bikes, really bad bikes, funky bikes, old bikes, new bikes. It's really cool just walking past it and going, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And I've been doing that since uh, 1991, I think. Same bike rack. Anyway, I uh, was reading this article about this crazy lady. Turns out she's the first person, first lady, first female to ever ride a, um, a fat tire bike all the way through an Ironman. Uh, that's official that people know of. Dude, just as soon as you think that you know you're the only person to have done something or you think somebody's the only person to have done something, then uh, you find out that so many people have done it and uh, it's actually not all that special at all. <laughs> that happened to me when um, I did my first self-supported Ironman. I thought no one else would have ever been that stupid or crazy and so I remember on a forum, it wasn't slow twitch, it was a different one. Um, I posted something about it and some guy goes, oh yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, those are good. Those are fun. I like doing those. I'm like, holy crap. Okay. Well, that, that I'm not very special, am I? Uh, yeah. So uh, first possible, possibly the first lady to uh, first female to do a full Ironman on a um, fat tar bike. Now there's uh, people have done Ironmans on fixed gears, uh, single speeds. I've contemplated about doing one on a fixed gear single speed. I used to have a cool uh, fixed gear slash single speed flip flop that I could uh, ride. I love that bike. I'm drinking the diet coke from freebirds freebirds my sponsor my burrito sponsor got a sponsor within a sponsor that's so meta anyway imagine <laughs> taking a fat fat tire bike to anything how do you transport a fat tire bike around you have to get like a special bike rack on the back of your car to even carry a fat tire bike so i hope this was local i hope she didn't ship a fat tire bike around town uh, or on an airline but another cool thing is uh, fat tire bikes are both fun and I don't think they're as un-aero as people say. I, I've done an Olympic triathlon twice, I think, uh, and some sprints on a full suspension mountain bike with slick tires on it. And I actually liked it. Like it was kind of fun, especially the fact it had a lockout on the front so I could do front suspension or not front suspension if I wanted to. So when I was standing and climbing, I'd just lock out the front and because um, it was on pavement. And then uh, when I was descending downhill, it was a real hilly race. I turned on the front suspension and I went super fast downhill because of the sus suspension allows you to go super fast downhill and, and a lot of fun. And on top of all that, um, yeah, think of all the different types of bikes people have ridden in uh, triathlons, you know? And uh, you can too. You can do some crazy stuff. So if you are interested in getting, oh, the aerodynamic thing. If you're interested in getting a fat tire bike, don't worry so much about the aerodynamics. It doesn't really matter that much. 
and uh, just have fun out there. Now, let's talk about Velocurance Bike Insurance. They are the sponsor of this segment, and they're bringing you this bike of the week. Uh, insurance for your bike is a very serious deal. We spend more money. Oh, see, we got a fender bender right here, right in front of me. These kids know what they're doing. They're taking photos immediately. And uh, what if they fender bendered right into the back of your car with a bike on it, right? Is your car insurance going to cover that? What if you're riding your bike and you have a crash? Carbon fiber does not respond well to crashes. <laughs> it will shatter, shatter. What do you do then? Hmm. sure I can get over in this lane. So I'm just going to play it safe right here and not kill anybody in a bike lane. And let's see, you uh, get your bike stolen while you park it at this bike rack in front of Evans Library on campus at Texas A&M University. Who's going to cover that if I rode my bike? Hmm? Well, Velosurance Bike Insurance definitely covers all kinds of bike issues and they will help you get a replacement bike under your butt in case you have some sort of disaster and you need one ASAP. That's what the whole thing about insurance is about. Help you with the out-of-pocket costs. And they have special packages for travel. And Dave at Velosurance is a cyclist and he knows what cyclists do and what cyclists need and what kind of coverage you should get for your situation email him tell him how you bike what you do what kind of bike you got and he will help you out and get you coverage all right all right all right that covers our 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 uh, bike of the week sponsor and oh guys listen i'm riding right by the texas a&m corps cadets um, dorms there's dorm 12 there's a dorm i used to live in Okay, that's it. Let's get back to the show and talk about more triathlon training goodness. Here we go. All right, we are back. I am at one of Kai's soccer games. He has three soccer games today. I used to kind of push him to go outside with me and like bike while I ran or go for a jog or something like that. Not lately, man. <laughs> like, dude, you need to save yourself. These soccer games are actually uh, really really uh, intense and we're at, we're sitting in my car momentarily recording on the iphone x and i got i got a family walking by i don't want to have them uh talking while i while i'm while i'm trying to record here uh we're gonna talk about how to train for your best half i'm in here in a second but i thought i'd mention that i went for my longest training run since my plantar fasciitis injury two years ago. It's two years ago, I did a self-supported Ultraman and in training for that, I managed to develop plantar fasciitis really bad. And today I ran 10 miles uh, pain-free and I noticed, this is very, very important, um, doing hard intervals on the bike uh, makes my plantar fasciitis much, much worse. And I, I think it was Hella Fredrickson she developed plantar fasciitis about a year ago and mentioned that she had to take some time off. And we don't ever think about the bike actually causing it, but it can. And she said that she um, she developed it from the bike. She's so matter of fact, man, she's awesome. <laughs> she's like, I developed it from the bike. And, and so I took some time off to help it heal. 
And that's uh, really interesting because I keep coming across people who say they've got plantar fasciitis and it's taking forever for it to heal. And these are all like triathletes, right? I don't hang out with just runners. Ugh. But anyway, uh, we're, uh, well, I'm like, oh, I wonder if uh, the reason all these triathletes, they take off from running to help their plantar fasciitis heal. It is virtually unknown that plantar fasciitis is caused um, also on the bike. And I think that's probably been what's been going on with me. That's why it's taken forever to heal because I take off from, from running. But guess what I do? I go biking. <laughs> and you might even be super compensating, overcompensating for the bike. Uh, for not running by biking even harder, you know, and then that's just making it worse. Isn't that interesting? Because I was doing really, really well with my uh, plantar fasciitis uh, not hurting anymore. And I did some hard intervals on the bike. I hit 500 watts, 507, but I mean, who's counting? Maybe 508. But uh, the next day, my feet hurt like they hadn't hurt in a while. And I was like, oh man, how about that? Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, I got some people upset in traffic over there. So anyway, let's go ahead and talk about how to have. Oh, well, I did that. I did that uh, run. So last weekend I did nine miles, and then on Saturday, and then on Sunday, and there's biking mixed into. And then on Sunday I did nine point four, and then today I added just a little bit more, and I did uh, ten. I think it was like ten point one. And then tomorrow, if, if I've got time and everything works out right, then I'll probably do like ten point. 10.3 I think my target I won't know until I kind of get around there is um, 12 miles once you start getting around 12 miles on a run you really uh, you're starting to get near what, what you know the most that you need at least for a half Ironman training maybe even Ironman training it, kinda, it all depends it depends on you and where you are and what, you, what your goals are but anyway I'm getting pretty pretty happy alright so let's talk about how to train for your best half Ironman. So maybe a maybe a PR if you are looking for a PR and maybe a um, maybe it's your first, you know, or you just want to improve. Uh, here's another one. Okay, so if you're looking for a PR, first thing is you pick a cool race. So like around 60 something degrees would be nice. Once you start getting too cold, then it can, you know, it can uh, slow you down a little bit. But then um, also flat as flat as you can get makes a huge difference absolutely huge difference okay so there's that if you're looking to pr so first thing you know pick an easy race or and if you can't do that um then do your own um do your self-supported uh half ironman anybody do a self-supported arm half ironman pretty easy to do and then let's see the next thing is let's say it's a course that you want you now you know the course right and let's say it's austin and Austin's pretty hilly and nasty. And, uh, you know, you want to get a PR on that. Okay, so then what you do is you train for that course. So um, I started uh, picking up on this and learning that this was really, really um, useful a few years ago by taking, you go and research the hill profile. And on the bike and on the run. And what you do is you count the significant number of hills on both. So you learn that the bike has like four really big hills or eight really big hills, right? And you could even print out somewhat of a hill profile and tape it to your handlebars. There's ways to do it. FedEx package is made out of Tyvek 
And Tyvek, you can draw on it with ballpoint pen. You can write stuff permanent marker on your forearm. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. But uh, of what you do is you do the hills and you kind of draw a hill profile on your arm or whatever you draw it on and then do a um, maybe the mileage, you know, like a, like a bar graph, kind of a line graph across the bottom of the miles. So at mile 32, there's a big hill. There's, you know, and then I was listening to an interview with an ultra trail runner and she said, this is for a hundred miler. She spent the couple weeks before the race memorizing the the aid station distances you know there's an aid station at six miles there's another one at 15 miles and then there's one at 21 miles and these oh and you guys think that ironmans are hard uh ultra running is not only a freaking crazy off-road uh, marathoning in the woods but uh the way that they put aid stations like super far apart you're so used to um doing a marathon or an ironman where there's aid station like almost every mile if not every mile and they don't do that it's like every six miles so imagine carrying like how dehydrated you get so you got to carry like all of this extra stuff but they can't do an aid station that frequently right so she memorizes where all these is that that are but that way you don't have to um you don't have to do the thing what i'm telling you about uh you know make a make a hill profile and carry it with you you just know right and then you can't lose it because it's in your mind but you better have it memorized pretty well because in the heat of the moment you start forgetting stuff start getting delirious and all that okay but now you know where your biggest hills are then you can actually use them to your advantage so when i was doing ironman canada i knew that about i don't know it's like 10 12 miles in or something like that then we start the big climb up this mountain and I knew that that would be a good time to take off if I was getting warm to take off my jacket, right? Because we're going to be climbing for a long time. And uh, so I knew when it was going to happen. And then I also knew that there was a climb that was going to be 30-something minutes long. It was going to be pretty hard. So that's the other thing is with your, your hills, not only do you memorize how many there are and how big they are, uh, that way when you don't go too hard too early because now you're like there's let's say there's six hills on the bike ride and you don't charge you learn not to charge up these you know the first and second hill because you got four more <laughs> than this why in the world would you you know work so hard to go up the first one when and the second one when you've got four more like it and some of them are worse because you studied the hill profile and that's not just the bike that's the run and then the other thing that's huge is in training, you can go and train for those hills specifically. Uh, there's software called Best Bike Split if you want to get really nerdy. That's what I did um, because you're spending so much money on Ironman anyway. So I was like, I, I used it to figure out um, what would be the ideal watts for me to hold during that, doing that climb. And then I did a little bit of back of the, back of the hand calculations like... You know, about how long would it take me to climb that mountain? And I figured out, I don't remember now, but let's say it was like 30, 35 minutes, right? Okay, at, you're climbing something 35 minutes. You don't want to go above threshold. You want to like, so for me, it was like 260, 270 watts for 35 minutes. So in training, 
I learned to put out 265, 270 watts sitting up uh, on my bike, on the trainer, right? And I did it many times, let's say four, five, six times uh, before that race. And then when it actually happened on race day, it was no problem. Uh, now that's a really that's a really big climb. That's kind of rare. But let's say you've got you figure out these climbs are like a couple hundred feet, a few hundred feet. Uh, then you're like, okay, I need to do um, I need to be able to do 10 minutes or 15 minutes at threshold, right? Um, and do like four of them and during the race or six of them. So you could start doing workouts where you either find a hill in training that's very similar and it's even better it's better to do one that's just a little bit harder that's always the thing you want to do like one more minute than what it's going to take in the race uh, and a few more watts than what it's going to take in the race and then on race day it's um it's a lot easier and uh yeah you just practice and train and then when it happens on on a race day like when i did uh the canada one i it's when I was climbing that mountain, there was people around me that were like, Oh my God, when is this going to end? You know? And even though I had never seen the climb before in my life, I was like, I know exactly when it's going to end. It's going to end in 30 after 37 minutes of this. And we are 20 minutes in and, um, I've got 17 more minutes to go. So I better pace myself. And it worked. It worked so well. It was fantastic. And then another thing, so anyway, go out and train it. And this is on the run too. You go out on the run and you do, you've got four hills on the run, for example, that are pretty significant. On one, some of your training runs, go do four, run, four hills on, in a row that are like that and then realize how much it tears you up. And then when you go out and do the race, knowing that this is coming, you actually will ride a little bit easier. And then because you're like... I've done in training what's what's going to happen to me in this run. <laughs> and I know how hard it is because you've done it. And uh and you've but then the other thing is because you've trained for it, it seems so much easier. Okay, so there's that. And then there's the opposite. Uh you need to look on the uh, hill profile and see if there's long sections of flat. So Ironman Canada, Ironman Galveston, both uh, uh, half Ironman Galveston is almost entirely like dead flat. And then Ironman Canada has a section that's like an hour or something like that of dead flat, right? Well, people don't train for that either. And that wears them out because you're pretty much the, a constant wattage, constant power without changing gears. So that very, very repetitive motion, you're used to actually getting a little bit of a break and using your muscles a little bit differently and changing gears, you know, like higher gear, lower gear, whatever. And now you don't have that anymore and people get burned up and then also the other thing that people don't understand this is very important if you're doing something very very flat you don't need to go as hard um because you have no resistance you're just on flat ground uh so what let's say you normally do like uh 230 watts or something well on flat ground let's say you average 230 watts like on rolling terrain for an hour well on flat ground you only need to do about 220 and because it's going to wear you out the same as 230 would because if you were doing 230 on rolling terrain you get little breaks as you coast downhill for a second and then uh you know pick up the uphill again well this you never get a break and because it's the same muscles repetitively it just burns you up and on top of that 
you need to look at um, your fueling and heat management. Uh, Kai's game's about to start, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go um, watch that, and then we'll get back on here with with uh, fueling and heat management. Very, very, very important stuff to have your best race. Hold on, just a second. All right, we are at Kai's uh, game halftime. He just did a nice assist on a goal. We're up two to zero. <laughs> it's tournament day. Got a whole bunch of games today. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about fueling. So, what I've found that really works is either gels or uh, or make your home brew gels. I mean, they're kind of expensive, sorta. Um, and basically what gels are made out of is the same thing as Gatorade, Gatorade powers, which is fructose and sucrose, like simple sugars and sodium. And then, uh, let's see, uh, maltodextrin. So maltodextrin is a starch, but it's a fast burn starch and it's easy on your stomach. If you just did Gatorade, then, um, and you got in, you tried to drink as many calories as you need off of just Gatorade, then you would um, get sick to your stomach hurts your stomach it needs too much water but maltodextrin doesn't need anywhere near as much water for the same amount of calories but if you triple up you get fructose sucrose and maltodextrin you've got three channels of uh, calories coming into your stomach and i do about 50 50 gatorade uh, maltodextrin powder and i buy it i buy it in bulk and i make my own but i also have had tons of, of success with gels so what you can do is you figure out how many gels you need, how many calories you need per hour, right? And then you squeeze out, either out of gels or out of your own home brew um, that amount of calories into a um, bike bottle. And then that is your fuel bottle for the bike ride. All the pros do something like this. This is what actually works really, really well. You can mark on, use a clear bike bottle and you can mark on the bike bottle, um, you know, uh, each hour that you want to um, go through that bottle. Uh, oh, and then you, uh, you add water and fill it all the way to the top, all the way up to the top to dilute it. And that way it's not too hard on your stomach. If it's a cooler race, you can get away with um, one bike bottle with a half Ironman full of fuel um, with your gel. Say you put six gels in it or something like that and then you add water shake it all up so it's all mixed up nice um and then what you do is you drink every time you take a sip off your bottle and you space it out like a sip every five minutes every 10 minutes whatever it is so that you don't drink too much then you um wash it down with water so that you're getting in the amount of water that you know you need for the race per hour so depends on how hot and how much you sweat uh, how much water you drink but you can't just drink that stuff straight it'll wreck your stomach so you need to rinse it down with water and if it's a warmer race you would split that up into more than one bike bottle and that way it dilutes it even further so you would have one for the first half of the bike race and then another one for the second half you could have one per hour something like that all diluted and then it'll be even easier on your stomach and gels are pretty much made to be the right proportions of stuff so say like goo or or um, all the different companies uh, power power bar <laughs> all that but anyway you're looking for stuff that has maltodextrin in it as well try to turn out the wind here and 
that works really, 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 really well. And now, um, and so you've practiced in training how much uh, you need. And then what happens is, is you can, you can't eat as much on the run as you can on the bike. So on the run, you'll notice you can eat about half as much per hour, many calories per hour without it upsetting your stomach, maybe two thirds, you know, kind of around in there, but you'd be lucky to get in two, three gels per hour on the run. I'd be really surprised if you get in more than two. Uh, so what people do is they eat as much as they can on the bike, but don't, don't use that as a license to like really load up because then you'll get sick on the run. That'll be all backed up. Um, when you hit the run, all the gels you haven't digested will start um, trying to digest and make you sick. So uh, uh, Chris McCormick, his sip on the gel tactic that he uses is you, you rip open a gel and you don't eat the whole gel at once. This is why you're running. You um, sip on the gel, like a little sip of the gel. And you hold it in one hand. This is something you need to practice in training so you don't learn. You learn to not get it all over you. And then... Um, so I'm talking like a little tiny sip of gel and then wash it down with water in your other hand as you're running. And you just keep doing this while you're, um, while you're running. And I've done that and that works really well too. Now the big trick is if you burp, that means things going, are going the wrong way and you need to just drink water. And your digestive tract is going, I'm too full. So you just drink water. So skip your next feeding and just drink water instead. And do that until you start farting. If you've got a backup and you've been burping, um, uh, farting means you've reversed it. It's going the right way now. It's coming out your butt. <laughs> Things are going down into your digestive tract. But uh, um, it's still a little troublesome. So you still may not want to drink uh, any fuel until you um, get the rest of the... Uh, of the, um, the, the farting over pretty much as well too. I see what happens here is you mess up your fuel and you do too much. Now you got to go for a window with not any fuel while you're waiting for things to settle through. And that's why you don't want to do too much. People say, actually try to go a little bit, a little bit too little instead of uh, too much. And then that way you don't have this, um, it's downtime where you feel like crap as you're uh, burping far. But anyway, that is a huge rule. It really does work. Fuel like you normally would. And then if you start burping, no more fuel, uh, only water for, um, for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And um, until things start reversing in the other direction. And then that's, that's what works. Works really, really well. Okay. Then we have... See, we talked about oh staying cool uh the warmer the race and a lot of people travel to these races you would not believe how much water you actually need in a warm weather race it is crazy if you start doing tons of water um, notice pay attention to your craving for salt um up your sodium and then when um don't be afraid to do a lot more water especially if you start doing the burping thing that means you need more water anyway and then um run when you get on the run, carry a bike bottle with you that you can easily unscrew the top and then um, pour ice water on your head uh, when you get ice water as you're going through aid stations and then you can pour it on your head. Hold on. 
Ty's team's about to start playing again. I need to get back over here and uh, watch this. He might score. It'd be so cool. All right. We are out on a country run. We're going to pick up where we left off. But I do want you to hear the soundscape of this cactus I'm running by. No, just kidding. You can't hear that. <laughs> but I'm about a third of a mile from a freeway. Running through the woods on a country road. But check it out as we get closer and then get right up next next to it and then turn around. It's pretty cool. We're gonna continue talking about how to have a great half Ironman. But I'm gonna describe my running gear. I'm doing a hopefully 10.5 mile run. Just a tiny bit more than yesterday. Maybe until I get up to my 12 over the next few weeks. So what I try to do is I start my runs going slightly net downhill. And that serves as the warm-up. And I try to avoid any hills, like any uphills. Here's like my first one. <laughs> And it's only a few feet. Oh, it's time to fuel. I'm at a mile and a half. And every half mile I fuel, I sip my Gatorade and maltodextrin mix. Here we go. Just a tiny little sip. That way you don't get the blood sugar spikes. It's in a flask on my Amphipod belt on my right side. Always on my right side. Plain water on my left side. And because I'm running a long time without a water stop. A Nathan running bottle in my left hand right now. Phone in my right So Nathan makes this really great running bottle. Getting really close to the freeway. Two tenths of a mile. It's silver and has a squishy nipple on it. It's darker gray. Here comes a pickup truck. Wave at him. Old Ford two-wheel drive, white. Stuff all across the dash. <laughs> Nobody's in a hurry. Okay, now I'm running down a little bit of gravel. Here. It's this uh, little gravel driveway. That I love mixing in. It's super short. So this Nathan bottle is a little bit skinnier 
just a tad bit than a uh, bike water bottle. And that makes it really great for having uh, to hold it in your hand. It's easier to hold in your hand. Take another sip of water, I need a little more water. So Kaizen is this practice. I'm turning around, starting to head back. Kaizen is this uh, practice of tiny, incremental, little improvements. Because we forget what we're doing already. It's actually pretty good. You know, we're pretty successful. We're the best sperm <laughs> that swim and beat the rest to the egg. If you're listening to this podcast, you made it this far in life, so you must have some money and some amount of functioning ability, some amount of winning. All right, let's go back down to this country road. So Kaizen says that we threw out, oh, humans tend to throw out everything and start all over again which is dumb. That could lead to catastrophe. You're not appreciating how far you can. So take what you did yesterday and add, or take what's existing and change a little thing and make it so small that you like snort, (laughs) right? If you mentioned it to a crowd, you'd be embarrassed. Because the human mob mentality is that's not enough to make a noticeable change. But Kaizen says, well, one, any change for improvement is compound interest, right? Ooh, 949 mile two. I think that's faster than yesterday. I need the fuel. Let's do that. Ooh, car back. Little sip of the fuel. Green pickup truck, old Chevy. Extended cab, two wheel drive. But anyway, if you announce it to a crowd, I'm gonna do the same. yesterday but I'm going to add a quarter of a teaspoon of 
Oops, I pressed the Siri button. <laughs> I was like, what? So a quarter teaspoon of matcha powder. People will be like, that's so tiny. Oh yeah. I got a feeling that the half a teaspoon I've been doing is too much. So I'm gonna try this. And one other thing is I noticed when I finished yesterday, I was craving salty foods just a little bit. Adding a little bit more sodium. To my fuel. Yesterday I did three hours and 10 minutes about, I think. So just a tad more salt stick. Which I guess we should jump in and say, uh, salt stick. We got a discount code. It's, uh, if you go to saltstick.com slash Zentry, there's a web page that pops up and it asks for your code. And then you get, if you type in Zentry as your code, which is cool, shopstick.com slash Zentry. The secret's already right in front of your face. It's in the URL. Type in Zentry and, oh, there's a crow. It gets you in with a discount code. I think it's 25% off. That's a lot. And Salt Stick has um, not just sodium, but it has uh, all the other electrolytes that you sweat out in the proportions that you sweat them out. So what they did, was a studied sweat and what's coming out. Put that in a capsule, put it back in. Isn't that cool? So you can get a capsule, break it open. It's like powder and add it to your fuel bottle that I was talking about as needed. Oh, almost time for another sip of fuel. I'm at 2.47 miles slow down a little bit talking so I'm running with this amphipod belt get back on the road here time to fuel fuel the beast Here comes a van. What's cool about the sipping method is you're, you can never like take way too much. You're like, oh my God. It's just, just right. And if you make a mistake and take too much, it's easy to correct because you only took a sip in the first place. Kaizen was invented by, it's a 
very Japanese practice, but it was invented by Americans. Went over to Japan after World War II to help them rebuild and optimize their factories. And it's cool. You can, <laughs> you can see and others what we're doing wrong and kind of coach them to be better much more than you could do yourself because yourself is already entrenched so we were like it was our cars that was the big deal don't American cars in the 60s, 70s, 80s coming off the assembly line all kinds of problems because the idea was you have to stop Oh, they would maybe fix it after it was already sold. Huge problem. Japanese, this guy that brought it over there, said, let's install these little pull cords. And if the assembly line worker sees anything wrong pull the cord it stops the whole assembly line fix it right then and there one little change but see when they fix it there it doesn't keep happening over and over and over again and doesn't cost them millions to billions on down the road when they have to recall everything right super smart one little change a lot of stuff like that Japanese cars started being way more reliable and that's what people really want in life. They want consistency. They do like variety but not too much. Like this road I'm running on is asphalt. It's a little bit old. So it's awesome. It's got a little bit of texture. So it does a little bit of foot stimulation, ankle stimulation, but not too much. Not like trails where I'm gonna trip and fall. That'll come later when I'm in the mood for it. Right now. And, and then it's better than pavement, which is just super smooth. Uh, concrete, like perfect concrete. And your body gets exhausted and bored. 2.87 so anyway that's kaizen that i jumped that in there it works awesome in triathlon and it work it's also called the toyota method for obvious reasons little changes add up so I've heard about it forever, but recently started implementing it with Gusto, and it is impressive. Okay, let's see. Oh, other details on the run. I'm wearing Adidas Ultra Boost shoes, and I'm wearing the ST models, which have a little bit of stability in them, or a lot. I must have a thousand miles on these shoes and they are still so soft. 
which if you're a high volume runner, the pounding that we take, 10 minute mile, 10 on six, is so bad. These are really, really nice. So they cost more, 170 bucks or something. But the life you get out of them is three times, four times more than another running shoe. It's really amazing. And it's what's helped me uh, get over my plantar fasciitis for sure, is the stability in them. And the fact I can run a long ways without pain. And just, I put them on this morning and started running. It was like boing, boing, boing. Like, oh my God, it's so cool. We got a port again here. We're gonna take a pit stop. What I'm trying to do is I'm gonna add in a little bit more of flat ground to hit my 10.5. Oh wait, I need to feel I'm talking, see? So talking will mess you up. I'm about a third through my run and I'm about a third through my fuel bottle. See how that worked? Because my fuel bottles are clearish. I can see them. How much I've used. Then I don't get ahead of myself. Okay. We're going to get right up on the freeway again. It's a different little out and back. They call it a dog leg in the south. And now I'm on, on the feeder road running into traffic. And now I'm off the feeder road <laughs> out of traffic. Ooh. Got a little bit of a tailwind. This will be nice to wrap up with. That last mile was a little slower. I was running slightly uphill. Okay, so I think that covers the run and the Kaizen. There's a construction port I can up here. I'm gonna take a whiz and then we'll finish the, uh, the other. I might call them the three pillars of triathlon. Pacing, fueling, and then something else I'll have to remember what it is. <laughs> Hold on. Right, man, it was hot in that port can And I was doing that thing where it's like, at all costs, keep your phone away from the hole. <laughs> Don't even let the phone get near 
the hole in the port again. I'm gonna fuel now. Let's do this. Drop off. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, backwards quiet again. <sighs> so I guess the third pillar would be uh, cooling and hydration. So fueling, pacing, cooling and hydration. Messing those up will have you walking in a uh, walking the run or at least a portion of the run, the end of the run, and a shorter run. Messing those up in a long triathlon, half Ironman, Ironman. You'll start having trouble even before you get to the run on the bike. And the tragedy is spending so much money and time training and then screwing it up on race day. I mean, it's just horrible. You spent so many hours a week training that you could have been with your family and everything and then you screw it up on race day. So you don't want to mess these things up. So we've talked about, uh, if you want, so let's talk about pacing. That's the last. Okay, no miracles on race day. Actually, for half, what I found that works really nice, make sure you're all trained. Or in Texas, we say trained up. Oh, here's a little bit of sand. Just a little bit. Make sure you're all trained up. You're doing long workouts. You know you can do the bike ride, the distance. You've been running off the bike and all that stuff, right? Look at your training log and see the paces that you do on kind of an average day. Those are probably the paces that you'll be able to do maybe a tiny bit faster when you're rested, but you string everything together, especially on the run. If you have a power meter, it's about, depends on your experience, but try to hit 80% of power all the time while you're on the bike or as you ride on average, 80% of FTP. But if you don't have one, you just go eight out of 10. And remember at first, you're fooling yourself. You're really doing nine out of 10 when you think you're doing eight out of 10. So hold back a little bit. Okay, but on the swim. Just swim kind of medium. Not even hard, just medium. Because with swimming, the harder you go, a lot of times you go slower. Because you start thrashing. You get exhausted and your form falls apart. And form is everything on the swim, and that'll slow you down. So just kind of go medium. And think about this if you go hard you'll go two minutes faster <laughs> if that possibly even slower 
and then on the bike in the run you'll go a few minutes slower so it just washes out so just go easy medium medium easy easy medium. doesn't really make that much difference just settle in tell yourself you're gonna swim 30 40 45 minutes whatever it is and just cruise and enjoy it search for a relaxed stroke and very very light burn in a, on occasion in your arms you're really not going to use your arms that much again so it's okay and then on the bike like I said you go about an 8 out of 10 depending on your level of fitness if you're just trying to survive this thing do like a 7 out of 10 6 out of 10 Keep it even. No big deal. Don't push too hard going into the wind, going uphill. Because you've still got a half of a marathon left. Yeah, always remember that. Asking yourself, if I tried to run a half marathon <laughs> right now, am I doing the smart thing? The answer is usually no. Okay, then... What is that? Ooh, a 9.54 mile. That's pretty good. Let's do a little bit of fuel. Hear that water bottle bounce. There we go. Holding two things. On your long runs, carry something in your hands like a water bottle whatever because both it hydrates you you get better workouts because you're better hydrated but it teaches you to carry things in your hands so when you do the ice bottle cooling thing to stay cool you're actually your hands are used to it carrying stuff all right then let's see get off on the run this is what i've learned to do that works really well because Galveston, just by coincidence, is a third. Uh, I mean, it's broken into thirds. So run about the first third, which would be about four miles. Uh, easy just settling in because you got to remember you got <laughs> eight miles left you know eight nine so run the first third pretty easy settle in and cool down let your stomach settle pee all that stuff the important thing is to settle in and get your pace calmed down. And you can talk yourself into doing it by saying you still got so much left. So it's all right. It's gonna pay off.
there is there is an alternative that I'll tell you about. An alternative logic on special days. Remind remind me to tell you. Remind me to remind myself. <laughs> and then I just ran across like a four-lane street. In a second here, we're going to be running up on Kaisel Elementary School. <clears throat> the second third, the middle third, run medium. Still holding back just a tiny bit. And watch your heart rate. It should be wearing heart rate strap turn all this so on the bike you should have been doing zone two dancing around in zone three frequently but not living in zone three but visiting zone three like is your best friend but then when you can get out of it because it's not sustainable for that long usually okay on the run try to get back into zone two and you'll notice that it's very difficult. But that's kind of what you should be doing. And on the run, you're going faster than you think you are anyway. This is an optical illusion. And then, so that's the middle. Middle third is definitely zone three. All right, sweet spot, middle of zone three. Now, the last third, you're watching your heart rate. You try to get, I think that's Aaron's boss running over there. You try to get your heart rate into zone four. <laughs> Start pushing it. And then the last mile, your goal is to try to max out your heart rate and run as fast as you possibly can. And using your heart rate to do it is really cool because your heart rate is a known factor. You finish a race and realize you had more heart rate margin to go at the end you should be pissed at yourself. You could have gone harder. Literally, you could have gone harder, you know, because you can see it on the thing. Oh, fuel time. Hold on. This has been fun. Just ran past Kai's old elementary school running uphill nice and gentle Ooh, now we're in the real woods concrete path but real woods
I can see my house. Oh, dog, doggy dog. All right. The last, I was running uphill, I didn't want to talk about Now we're running on flat. Catch my breath a little bit. Oh, heart rate, 128. That's zone two for me. It's perfect. Now, there's a situation where people, when it's gonna be really, really hot, they have a slightly different strategy that does work, is go faster, go harder while it's still cooler. Because when it gets hot, you're gonna be screwed. So, if it's going to be a super hot, sunny day, especially in an Ironman, people will try to make time early and go hard early. They know they're gonna get really, really hot later. And so they know they're gonna be um, probably walking because it's just too hot and you can't digest fuel. It's dangerous to be running. So they'll make time early and run a little bit harder early. Kind of like if you were going uphill about that kind of pace. So Sammy Inkinen is this, uh, Super duper badass athlete that was winning his age group at Kona. And the Kona Half Iron Man I've never done it, but apparently there's sections of it where it goes across a golf course and it's super hot, no shade. So in those sections he would walk and cool down and then when it was cooler he'd run I guess as it's out of the terrible sun and I've done that plenty and it works it's super great love it and you're probably thinking well you know that's not the smartest thing, you know, because you want your fast time, you should run the whole thing. But you forget. <laughs> Everything's relative. You're trying to beat your competition. And if... Ooh, 10.04. If they do... If you do things smarter than they do, you'll be ahead of them. And it doesn't matter if it includes walking. If walking was smarter and 
certain sections for certain reasons. Then you'll be faster. I was watching a trail running video yesterday and the guy got third. Starting off right from the beginning. It was a super hilly uh, trail race. 50 miler in the woods. Really hilly. Southern Indiana. Ryan Clayton. What's up, buddy? We got a runner coming. Howdy. She's working that uphill. Oh, and Ryan Clayton said, working the uphills, cruising the downhills. <laughs> that was awesome. It's a trail race in Indiana. Right from the beginning, walking the uphills. And he got third. Pretty cool. All right. That's enough of this run. I'll catch up with you guys at the end of the show. I'm going to listen to some music. Out, bang. All right, we're at 10.44. I'm gonna try to get the beat. I stopped my watch. 10.46. Running uphill zone two, 124 heart rate. That's probably about my average. We're gonna stop right at 10.5 and then walk a quarter mile home. And that was it. Let's press the button. Oh. Let's see what she says. Oh, there's my turn off right there. My little trail has turn offs. Let's see. 10.51 at a one hour and 43 minutes. Save. Saving. Saving Garmin Ryan. <laughs> Always like, I don't have to, but sometimes like stopping a little bit short of the house and walking the rest of the way. Recovery time, 15 hours. Oh, look at that. A 9.49 pace. I think that's faster. 10.51 miles. 825 calories. Didn't have heart rate. Oh well. We'll look at it in a second. I had something. <laughs> oh. Uh, ended up feeling really great running. And um, burped once. A little bit after fueling. And I was like, cool. Drank more water than I was. And... Uh, took less fuel or no fuel the next sip on five minutes. And let's do details. Where's my uh, average heart rate 125, max heart rate 135. And green Chevrolet, extended cab. 
toolbox in the back. No tailgate. The, uh, it worked. Added just a little bit. And uh, added a little bit of flat ground. Uh, had a little bit faster, a little bit better of a run than before. Oh, now, I, now I have to deal with what a lot of us experience, the ritual of walking into the house with in-laws here that are going to make fun of me. How was your run? Was it awesome? Emily's brother. <laughs> Tries to be funny. Anyway, that's it. We will have uh, a bike ride next. And... Uh, and that'll wrap up the show. All right, out bang. All right, we are back. It's a day after my uh, bike ride, my brick bike ride, doing them in reverse order. Kai and Emily were asking about it. Mostly Kai was asking about it uh, last night at dinner. He said, why aren't you doing the run second? And I said, well, one, uh, it's cooler in the morning. I can go run, and I, I want and kind of need to run outside. And... If I run first and it's earlier and I get less sun exposure and then uh, I can bike indoors and get a really good bike workout that way. And uh, then that's a little bit later in the day. And uh, yeah, I, I can do that indoors and stay out of the sun. And really what I'm looking for at this point is just a long window of uh, aerobic training. So I was looking for three hours plus continuous and uh, regardless of what it is. So it doesn't matter that it's running first, bike second. It's uh, just three hours of aerobic because then you're tapping into your uh, metabolism, burning fat, all that good stuff. So then it doesn't really matter which one was first. Now, if you're training specifically to run off the bike and do really well on the run part, uh, you can do that closer to race day. And uh, that's, um, yeah, that's very, very much triathlon racing specific not so much just overall fitness improvement specific but anyway my goal on the bike was to go about 10 minutes longer which i did and i learned something really really cool the uh, a and a great way to kill time on the bike trainer is watch point of view that means filmed from like the helmet cam or the chest cam of the cyclist um, mountain bike racing Holy crap! It is really great. I watch it. It's because they um, it's really random and it's fast paced and it's technical, so it really keeps your attention more so than road riding. Road riding could be kind of boring to watch a video like that, but mountain biking, because there's the potential to crash at any moment, and also the nature that that uh, usually they don't film it unless it's kind of pretty. So you're going through woods and there's scenic mountain views and uh, all kinds of nice stuff. So. Uh, I watched two videos for an hour and 45, hour and 40 minutes of mountain bike racing point of view. And it was really cool. I posted a picture of the setup on, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Let me roll down a window here where it's nice enough weather where I can be in the Zentri mobile studios and record in the middle of the day in the sun here in Texas, but still with the windows up, it does get, it does get a little bit hot. So we make it some uh, parking lot noise here, but it still makes for fun recording. And the uh, next thing is when the mountain biker starts to go uphill, you pop it into a little bit harder of a gear 
and when they go downhill you go in a little bit lighter of the gear lighter of a gear so it's really good training uh when they're they're climbing something big you know you can put in a really hard gear and stand and pedal and it's kind of like you're with them it's really neat and i put it on the the big tv in front of uh in front of the bike and let's see bike ride remember the little changes right some kaizen little changes here and there see what happens uh, my run was exactly the same pace. I went half a mile further on my run, but it was exact. It was actually like three seconds slower over, <laughs> or ten miles or something. But uh, that's because I spent the first part of the run talking, right? And so I'm running with two things in my hands and talking. So I'm not really like focusing on running that fast, and that's okay. That's that's actually totally fine. The run was essentially the same, even though I went half a mile further. And half a mile at ten miles, is pretty significant. And then my bike was vastly improved like scary improved because um on saturday i did three hours and sunday i turn around and do an extra 10 minutes on the bike this is all legs you know you think you're, you would do worse because your legs are trashed but actually because of smarter fueling and smarter salt which i'll get to in a second uh better hydration I, uh, on Saturday, I averaged 232 watts on the bike for an hour and a half. And on Sunday, I averaged 248 watts on the bike for an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, same effort level, just cruising along, uh, just searching for what felt, felt nice. That's a big jump. And it all goes to just little changes here and there, make, make big changes over time. Uh, there was one point where we were talking about the burp thing where I noticed an hour into the bike ride, I, uh, I an hour and 20 minutes, I uh, started to burp. And I was like, oh, no more fuel, just drink water. And it worked. I started feeling great again in a little bit under 10 minutes. I started feeling fantastic. And then, let's see, I got a sensation on the bike that I'm starting to notice uh, because my power has been increasing and improving and uh, I'm getting stronger uh, a, f a sensation that get a little bit of burn in the legs but then it doesn't bother you and in fact it feels good right not only is it not worrisome it's like you're you're encouraged you're like whoa yeah I like this I can do it. and you feel like you could do it forever and uh, that reminded me of when I was on high school swim team my senior year and we were killing it with workouts and it, my arms uh, started to get that feeling of just being on fire like like in a good way that the more I did the more powerful I became and I think there's a threshold there I think there's a, a tipping point where you train enough and of the right way and um, you get strong enough that just everything you throw at it makes it even stronger that's actually a concept called anti-fragile and it's instead of it breaking something you, know, you distressing something makes it actually even stronger so i was really excited about that i was like whoa that's a cool feeling and let's see interesting difference is instead of matcha powder in my um in my fuel on the bike i put in Folgers powdered coffee. So you know like Starbucks has these little coffee packets, little singles packets. Well this time I did um, 
I'm raising a window. This time I did um, Folgers to see if it was the uh, matcha that made my stomach hurt. And I was fine with that. And I actually liked it. Maybe, maybe that could be a reason my arms felt so, or my legs felt so good. Um, but I did get stomach pain and I think it's from Gatorade. I think I'm going to try next week. We're going to try one little change. Gonna try the same amount of calories, but from maple syrup instead of Gatorade or from some other uh, sugar instead of Gatorade. Because Gatorade is actually a pretty complex chemical mix, a uh, shit storm of good stuff and bad stuff. You know, there's preservatives and food coloring and all kinds of crap in there. So we're going to switch that because I noticed uh, Saturday night and then Sunday night, I had gas, like farting gas. Like my stomach was still... Oh, and when I finished the bike both times, uh, I could feel uh, sh some sharp pain in my stomach and it was the stomach still trying to digest stuff that it couldn't get to because it needed water to do it. And that's probably simple sugars uh, like Gatorade that's doing that, not the maltodextrin. Um, it's, it's concerning, you know, to have that kind of pain because uh, you don't want to go into your run feeling like that. And, you know, or maybe I just needed more water. Who knows? But we're going to try something different and see if it's any better. Now, let me tell you something uh, super cool is, remember, I said I was going to up the salt a little bit. Because last bike ride on Saturday, I got off the bike and I was craving salt a little bit. And then that leads to unhealthy diet choices, right? You're eating potato chips. I was eating corn chips. But like highly salty stuff. Well, usually highly salted stuff comes with other bad stuff in it. Really, you just want the salt. And your body wants the salt. It's like, I know other things that have salt in them, so let's eat up. And it's just uh, not a good way to go. So I added just a little bit more salt to my, um, to my bike fuel and my run fuel. And when I, um, when I finished my ride on Sunday, I had no salty food cravings. How about that? So again, if you have salty food cravings, whenever you finish a workout especially a long workout out in the heat, uh, you are uh, nine times out of 10 um, salt deficient. You need some sodium. And that's your body telling you that um, to up the salt. Isn't that crazy? And up your salt and then you won't need any food. So uh, salt cravings after a workout are an indicator that there's something bad, something you could do better. I wouldn't say it's bad, it's just something you could do better. And let's see, oh, Biking on the trainer, people are like, oh, I don't want to ride inside. I don't want to, you know, riding outdoors is the only way. And upside of being on the bike trainer instead of being out on a three-hour, five-hour bike ride um, is you're around the house uh, to be an adult or a parent if and <laughs> and or parent uh, if needed. And Kai was working on a school project that required styrofoam hacking and sawing and stuff like that. And um, I was. I don't know, 40 minutes in, 45 minutes in, and Emily came in and said, hey, can you uh, take a second and come uh, saw this, uh, do something. We're trying to get this styrofoam thing into two pieces. And I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of my bike workout. This is, I'm totally going to get off the bike, but this is just my, uh, how bad do they really want me to get off the bike? Is this stupid or is this um, really a, um, an issue? And she said, we really need you to come do this. Uh, we can't figure it out. And I go, okay. So <laughs> I uh, got off the bike and I helped something that was critical with uh, Kai's day. 
and got to be super dad and it was really cool and then when i was done i got right back on the bike again that you can't do that when you're 40 miles away from home out in the countryside you know so that, that is an upside of riding on the trainer i wanted to mention that if you've got qualms about ever riding a trainer there is um there's definitely positives to it and i got another tip for you we got a dog that likes to chew on shoes if you um if uh, you leave your shoes out and then leave the house he gets separation anxiety starts wanting to chew on stuff you know and he's ruined uh he's actually ruined some cycling shoes now i think of it some expensive ones and a trick to both a you may not have this problem uh you know keep your animals (laughs) from chewing on your shoes but also b to keep from losing your shoes and on that note i've been thinking about turning this podcast more into a productivity and triathlon podcast because the tips that i've come up with over the years just are crazy of how to do things um you're always you're like oh, i want to get on the bike where's my cycling shoes da, da, da. you know oh my gosh where's my shoes you go walk back to the closet you go walk to this other closet is it, is it in the garage <laughs> right it sucks it's the worst it's a time killer um leave make get in the habit of always leaving your cycling shoes clipped into your pedals just when you get off the bike um leave your pedals clipped in and at first you'll forget right but go through the effort of stepping back on your pedals and it's also and and then undoing the straps on your shoes and then stepping out of your shoes leaving your shoes clipped in but it's also a good training for when you race you um you're very familiar with uh, how to Uh, put your uh, shoes on put your feet in your shoes with your shoes already clipped to your bike isn't that cool and then you always know where your shoes are they're clipped to your freaking bike (laughs) you're with your bike like where's my shoes it's right there they're on your bike all right and then another thing i noticed before we leave the show is there's this feeling you get this weekend i did something really awesome for me you know um I improved my running, I improved my biking, and for me currently, uh, you know, 10 miles because of my, my feet, my foot injuries, uh, 10 miles is a, a big accomplishment, 10 and a half miles the next day, and then biking right after that, I felt like, and you know, I've done ultra marathons and I've, I've done a, a double marathon on pavement, you know, in one day. So ten, I understand 10 miles, like isn't all that great. Everything's relative. So 10 miles for me that, that this weekend was 10 and a half miles was, uh, you know, like I felt like I'd done something, an accomplishment and, and then the bike right after that. And I was like, man, I feel good. I feel good. And I've noticed, I felt, I, I feel this way if I've been surfing and I've surfed really hard for a few hours. Um, but it's that feeling of you did something uh, really difficult that felt like an accomplishment to you. Where you stretched yourself a little bit, surprised yourself, got something done. Um, it gives you that feeling of being two inches off the pavement when you walk. Like... Uh, there's a saying in Zen that I th- maybe I said it earlier this episode. Um, enlightenment is just like before enlightenment. You know, I'm in the parking lot, I walk across the parking lot, I go get groceries. 
Um, I uh, go to eat at Freebirds, just like always. You know, I have to go to work. I have to work on this one report. I have to make this project. I have to help my son with his schoolwork. You know, blah, blah, blah. All the stuff that you do. You got to sit in traffic. It's just like before, but it's two inches off the ground is what you feel like. Just You just feel slightly elevated. You just feel good. Like, like things aren't... You got a better view of the world. Like you're just happier. Hot, you're just a tad bit higher up. You know, like if... Like when you walk on... Uh, we are all hardly ever do this. Not a really good example. You walk on stilts, you know? You're like, wow, I can see like so much better. You wear like tall shoes. You're like, wow, I can see so much better. That's what it feels like. That's what enlightenment feels like. Well, it feels the same way whenever you do something that makes you feel really good about yourself. Like you succeeded at a challenge. I think you, chemistry-wise, it's probably some sort of uh, endorphins or dopamine or something that is just like, um, you're, you're kind of high. And maybe that's why they call it high. You know, you're kind of high. Maybe that is why they call it high. Now that I think about it, you feel elevated. Hmm. And uh, things don't really seem to bother you. So starting Saturday afternoon when I did my one, I was like, whoa, that was pretty cool. And then... Um, uh, yeah, on my way to being healed, uh, I could see a future where I'm, I'm uh, improving. And then Sunday, when I turned around and did it again and did it better and did it longer, I was like, well, howdy do. <laughs> I feel pretty good. And things just don't seem to bother you as much. You just feel good about yourself. So anyway, when uh, you're uh, doing something next weekend, um, challenge yourself a little bit. Do a little bit more than you think you can and try to do a little bit better and see if you feel the same way it's really cool all right that is it for this podcast i think next weekend we're going camping so i'm going to try to fit in some running while we're out there in the woods and uh try not to try not to get killed out there by wild furry woodland creatures (laughs) that want our pop tarts and uh, i think that's it so everybody stay safe out there work the uphills cruise the downhills and keep the rubber side down out.